You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. Hello, welcome to another edition of uh, the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the, the one and the only, the Captain Guy Moldcaster, Gareth Hall with you, Guy. Hello to you. We're recording this, of course, on a Wednesday morning just after 7am. Um, you nearly did it, mate, with Kovalika in the Epsom. Jeezy was stiff. Yeah, he ran a really good race. Gareth uh, just probably blew it at the start a little bit, missing the start by about a quarter of the length, and that was the difference between getting in great position and uh, having to come through the whole field. But uh, credence to the horse, he ran really well, and uh, and the winner had a great run and, and got it beat us on the line. Plenty to discuss in today's show, but um, well, this week's show, but... I think the big news everybody wants to hear from you, Guy, is what do you do with Kovalika? Does he head to a Cox Plate? Is he a Caulfield Cup horse? What's his agenda? At this stage, he's heading towards the Cox Plate. Okay. It'll be hard to beat in a Cox Plate then. Yeah. It's a good way price, around $21. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what happens on the weekend with the Hong Kong horse. He's um, obviously settled in pretty well now. And Melbourne and his track work on Sunday morning was pretty good, according to the newspaper article. So, um, be interesting to see. So, what's your take of this um, Hong Kong Galloper Romantic Warrior with your spice? Uh, his runs have been very good in Hong Kong, you know, and and the form stacks up. But uh, it's easier it's easier to win on your home ground than it is the travel. So, let's see what happens on Saturday. If you're Peter Walsh at Amelia Park, you've got the superstar mayor, Amelia's Jewel. Are you heading towards a Turak or a King Charles and then going to a Golden Eagle? Or are you staying in Melbourne going to a Turak and a Cox Plate? Uh, I think the Turak will be the uh, fork in the roads for Amelia's Jewel. Like a run was at Mooney Valley the other day was really good. It showed that she handles the track pretty well. Um, she's pretty tactically versatile. And I think... Uh, after the Turak, they'll make up their decision on which way they go with her. With the Sayunis, do they usually get over a trip or are they more better over it, like a, a 1,400 um, sprinter miler? They're pretty versatile, really. Like, yeah. he's an amazing stallion. He came from a five grand service fee to up, be up over 100 now and uh, and he's leaving winners all over the place. So I think uh, he, he just does what he does. Is he, is he our I'm invincible in a way that he was a bargain buy? early doors, and then all of a sudden it's just jumped out of the ground? Yeah, he's, um, he's just generated uh, pace and, and they've kept improving and now everybody wants them. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, we had the first of the two-year-old races there on Saturday and uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, they had, a, they had another day to remember. But what did you make of these two-year-old races to kick off the, the Metropolitan season in Sydney? Well, you know, it was uh, it was well spoken about last week about the Tussauds having a couple of representatives and they've come out and won the race in the Phillies division and the Colts division. He was a pretty nice yearling and he got the job done and it'll be interesting now with the competition how, how they keep progressing. And Tussaud, um, we had a chat to Henry Field about that stallion there last week when he joined us on the show. Um, it has just been a dream start, really, to his his side, his his career at stud. Yeah, I think there's um, I think there's a whole lot of trucks out the front of Newgate yeah. trying to get in to go to, to sort this week. So, uh, 
you know, when you when you're standing at ten grand and uh, everybody wants to be on the bus. So what happens there? Do you think that like he would be fully booked now, or would he be would he have been fully booked before Saturday after watching the trials with his with his progeny? Yeah, I think uh, I think the trials would have got a few more bookings, and I'd say the race win probably got a hell of a lot more after that as well. Yeah. Um, I want to have a chat to you about the Thousand Guineas because we had a filly by the name of Karina Queen, which is a daughter of Fastnet Rock that was um, a top-class winner there on Sunday at Sandown. I was just thinking about the Thousand Guineas, where they've placed it this year instead of it being during that Caulfield Carnival. Do you think that matters, mu- uh, matters much regarding a lead-up towards an Oaks? Um, or do you think that the flight stakes there is adequate for those fillies there that wanted to compete in a group one and then can move on to an Oaks. Cause I think the flight stakes was, it's only a week or two um, before a, a thousand guineas in previous years. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting play really Gareth, but maybe throw this out here that you had left the, the thousand guineas where it was at, at Caulfield in the next 10 days or so, and then had a, uh, guineas, the Colts and Phillies, where they're having the thousand guineas now, giving the Phillies a bit of weight relief and uh, and sort of making it a three year old championship mile. Do you know what, Guy Molecaster? I was thinking the exactly, um, uh, exactly same as you there, and I, I had a and we had a bit of a meeting with Racing Victoria the other day. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this speaking outside of school, but I'll tell you anyway. I I was we had a meeting and they were going through um, how they're tracking this season with the turnover and um, if the tenth race was working and we just went through some facts and figures and I was thinking when they were they were talking about the thousand guineas and why they moved it and I was thinking to myself they got the the Sir Rupert I think on the same day which is a fourteen hundred meter weight for age race um, and they wanted to get new people involved and keep people's interest in the game after the Melbourne Cup Carnival. But for mine, I'm with you. you. You need to invent a new race. You need to innovate to get people excited about it, whether it's a slot three-year-old race, whether it's a, a race where you can qualify in some of those other like classic races leading up to a, a three-year-old championship race. But I think you're, you're right on the money, isn't you? And after what you've just said, I think they should just call it the Guy Molecaster. Well, that'd be bloody good, Gareth, as long as I don't have to put in towards some of the sponsorship money. But, um, you know, when you talk about people being interested, it was only five or six years ago that, you know, people only spoke about the Melbourne Carnival and everything in the spring. And then um, in somebody's wisdom, Mr. Volandis's wisdom, that they put on a race in Sydney over 1,200 metres for a slot race. And... Uh, now, you walk around Sydney, that's the only thing they talk about is the Everest. Yeah, and it's been the, the talk of the town here in Melbourne in a way as well after Imperatory's victory in the Moyer Stakes last Friday night. I was there to watch the Kiwi do what she did, Guy. I don't know if you saw her, but um, you tell me a better sprinter in Australasia than Imperatory's at the moment. She was breathtaking again. Like, as fur as a, a good horse, I think she's a top-class Group 1 horse over 1,000 metres that, that mare. Um, and she, she made her look like a um, second rate. She just picked her up and went, Wooshka, she, she's going to a new level, this preparation, this daughter of I'm Invincible. Yeah, well, 
it's amazing when you look at the fixed odds markets for this race. She hasn't got a spot, and she's still equal favourite. That's Imperatrice. So, do somebody do some people know more than us, or or are they just putting her in the market there just to keep everybody interested? Well, I think it's a. This is why it's such a marketing genius. The the Everest, and I was talking to a couple of administrators in Victoria about this, and they were saying, "Well, Gareth, why does she have to go to Sydney?" And I said, "Well, she doesn't have to go to Sydney." But um, this is the race that drives everybody's attention. And it's, it's more fascinating that she isn't going to Sydney than she is, if you know what I mean. So that's why, like, she wins a, a, a Moyer Stakes and she breaks her own track record. So she's had two starts over 1,000 metres at the Valley and, and broken the track record twice. And instead of talking about the Manicata where she's the odds-on favourite and then on towards a Dali Sprint, everybody's talking about surely she has to go to the Everest. Why hasn't she got a, a, a slot in the Everest? And why wouldn't she want to go to the Everest? And there's all these different types of um, philosophies on why she's not going. Why, why hasn't Tiako Racing tried to buy a slot? You get $700,000 for running last. She'll be one of the favourites. You win $7 million if you win. So there's been all that debate and discussion. And David Ellis has said they're not going. She doesn't go as well the, the Sydney way. And everyone's doing their mass and thinking, what the hell's going on? But it's the publicity that that drives the Everest. And we're talking about a horse that's not even going. <laughs> and she's dominating discussion for the race. Yeah, I think everybody's knocked on Tiakau's door and nobody's come away with the prize. So um, very, very interesting. But uh, looking forward to the Everest with or without Imperatrice. Who's a horse to beat in your eyes? Uh, I think, I think you have to go and think, uh, think about it. Yeah. You know, like he's, he doesn't have any, doesn't have any black marks next to his name. His run was pretty good on Saturday. He's going to improve with fitness. Joe Pride will have him right on the day. And there's a number of horses chasing him for, you know, that are going to be in the race right up to their ears as well. But, you know, I wish I win. Is he a forgotten horse now? Well, a little bit. My mail is that he worked like a, a superstar there at Packerton, which they always probably do, heading towards an Everest on a Saturday morning there. So, And what I find fascinating about this year's Everest is that there's two Cox Plate champions that are siring the two favourites at the moment. So you think in Savabil. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's good for the breeding game too, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you pigeon those horses as as size of 2,000 metre horses, and now we've got them favourite for the Everest. It's amazing. And that's what I'm trying to work out at the moment. So I think that, I think that, think about it, and I wish I win a better horses 1,400 to 1,600 metres. I think that would be their sweet spot. And they'll get back in the field. You imagine, even if, even though that's so you, the so you think, um, the son of so you think, think about it, settled nice and close and box seated there the other day, but... There doesn't look to be too much tempo at the moment in this year's Everest. Overpass that trialled nicely at the at Rose Hill yesterday is a horse that gets out and runs a little bit. But apart from that, Captain, where's the pace? Yeah, I think when you're running for $7 million to the winner, there'll always be plenty of pace, Gareth. Yeah, who's going to make it then, Espiona? She gets a slot for Chris Waller Racing. Uh, she's got a spot. Yeah. I couldn't 
uh, she'll be ridden too much closer than normal. I think it all comes down to barriers. If she uh, if she drew one, two, three, four, she'd probably be two or three lengths off the leader coming to the turn. So uh, it'd be very interesting. Did you watch Marzu's trial yesterday for Arrowfield and and the Star Casino, the son of Maurice? They're pushing on towards an Everest. Is he just making up the numbers, the old boy? Uh, it's very hard to work out, A, do I keep the horse or B, do I go looking for another horse? You know, like maybe it's better to have the one you've already got. But, I mean, I think he's going to he's gonna be in the race. He's done, he's done pretty well in the race before. He only just got beaten last year. But question is, is he as good as some of these young guns? Well, I, don't, I, I would say not at the moment. And obviously when they have a setback, it's not ideal. You've got Buddhist Notches, who's... Um, really perform well this preparation he, he trialed nicely according to dylan gibbons there yesterday so i think this year there's no real one standout there's, it's going to be a fascinating race and i think the most intriguing part is the tempo in this year's everest and we still have got like alcohol free chatting to you long there the other day she's the the horse that probably is the favorite at the moment but she's a she's a i thought she she, she went pretty she went well the other day, but she looks to me, Guy, to be at her best in this country over seven furlongs to a mile. Yeah, you'd think so. But, you know, it is if you've got a horse and you don't have to buy a spot, yeah. it's a hell of a lot to sit on that yeah. than go spot and try to negotiate. Massive difference. Don't go anywhere. We'll take a quick break. This is the Breeding Bloodstock and Bandit podcast with... Guy Moldcaster, he's in fine form today on and he, in his penthouse on the Gold Coast. I think we need to get Jacko to make sure we can video these as well, just to just to see how the great man just goes about his work on a on a Wednesday morning. We might have a chat about the big breaking story straight after this break in the in the world of the Bloodstock game with the news breaking yesterday that Vin Cox, who was the boss of Godolphin, is now switching teams and he's heading to Yearlong. We'll discuss that straight after this. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. Welcome back to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the Captain Guy Moldcaster. Gareth Hall with you on this Wednesday morning when we're recording the show. And uh, the big news there yesterday in the world of the Bloodstock game, not only in this country, but I would imagine this would have had people talking about this worldwide and it was TTR the website that broke this story and it was the story regarding the managing director of Godolphin Australia, Vin Cox, basically changing teams and heading over to Yulong Investments as their general manager. Guy Molcaster, did that surprise you? Uh, it did a little bit, Gareth, but I mean, it's obviously just shows the, uh, the dedication and the uh, aspirations of Mr. Jang to go and get somebody like Vin to lead his operation. So, you know, I can't see that the uh, spin's going to slow down too much with Yulong. They're going to end up with hundreds of broodmares, lots of nice stallions, a great racing team, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with over the next few years. So it is a massive decision. Like, a dolphin's the biggest racing empire in the world, along with Coolmore, I would imagine. And, and Vin's done a wonderful job since he's been at Cadolphin. So 
Um, it's a really interesting move for mine. So Sam Fairgray, he will stay as the boss of the farm, I would imagine, and he'll join Vin Cox? Uh, I haven't been privy to any of the information. There hasn't been anything about that on the news newspaper releases, but uh, I'm sure it'll all play out in the next few days. I wonder what Vin will do. and We'll try and get Vin on the show um, in the next week or so. But it is... It is an interesting move. So Cadolfa now got to find a new boss. Have you? Are you going to? Are you going to put your hand up, um, guy? I think you'd be perfect for the role. I'd say they'll do that internally. I'd say they've got some pretty good people working for them that they've probably been grooming for this job over the last few years. So I'd say hold the phone and we'll wait for announcement from Godolphin in the next couple of weeks. I would. Wouldn't be surprised. So Vin stays on to December one. I find that interesting as well. When you, he's basically going to a different team as I as I mentioned before so um, they'll be competing for um, breeding rights and they're, they're, they're obviously in competition in a way but um, he doesn't make the move until the end of December 1. Um, does that surprise you Guy? Uh, no I think everything needs a transition period and uh, you also have to remember that Yulong are probably a little bit more focused on the breeding whereas Godolphin are probably half breeding, half racing. So, you know, it would be a little bit of a different gig for Vin, but I'm sure that he'll uh, take it with open arms and it'll be very easy for the transition for him. So to put in perspective that what Mr. Zhang has done in recent time, just at that Magic Millions national sale for the broodmares, he bought 60 broodmares and he spent $33.5 million. So what will be the difference, say, from Vin Cox working at Cadolphin um, and then heading over to, to Yulong? What would be some some challenges that he probably didn't have to face there at Cadolphin now he's at Yulong? And what do you think yeah. his main if he had a if he had a whiteboard and his KPIs or what he would want to achieve, what do you think his number one mission would be? Oh, I think it'll be to have a champion stallion at Yulong, so you know they've got uh, written tycoon, but he's in his he's in his uh, a sort of older sort of years in the twilight years. So they'll be looking to develop a horse and turn him into a champion stallion and get all the best mares in Australia coming to Yulong. So we wish Finn Cox the very best of luck. So that was the the big breaking news regarding the Bloodstock game, um, and I think a dolphin was spending up at the recent sales in France, I think, or the UK. They bought a half to Victoria Road now. I mentioned Victoria Road because I think he's going to run a a mighty race for Coolmore in the, or now he's owned by Ozzy Kerr and Johnny O'Neill and that syndicate in the Cox Plate, the Breeders' Cup champ. Yeah, well, they say he's travelled out pretty well and yep. your show broke last week that they've bought into him or they've bought a, a part of him. I'm not yep. sure how much. And, uh, and I'm sure he'll run a pretty good race in the Cox Plate. So he's arrived here for... Aidan O'Brien. Joseph O'Brien's got a few horses here as well. Um, and I found it really interesting that some have gone to Sydney and some have gone to Melbourne. That would never have been the case five years ago, Guy. No, no. There's obviously some uh, some logistical issues with the uh, quarantine and the testing and that sort of thing, so I'm not sure how it all plays out. But uh, they'll all end up at the in the carnival together, and I'm sure it's going to be an amazing race. Did your horse come out that you purchased uh, um, for Chris Waller? 
Yes, he's he's a horse called Age of Kings. Yes, and he, he's in quarantine in Sydney, and he'll head towards the Golden Eagle. Can he win a Golden Eagle, guy? Uh, he, he's a Royal Ascot winner. He was pretty good at Royal Ascot winning the Jersey Stakes. Um, I think the next couple of weeks we'll just sort of see how he he, he settles into Australia. It's it's pretty warm in Sydney at the moment. It's yep. probably different to what they're used to in Europe, but. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're good enough, they'll handle these sort of things. Yeah, so that was interesting. They arrived, the, and you would never, ever think that this would be possible, but they arrived from the UK, and it was like nearly 40 degrees. It was in the mid-30s, wasn't it, in Sydney um, on the night that they arrived, which is which is never, which is unheard of, really, at this time of year. Yeah, um, I think they've got everything in place. So yeah. they've got, uh, they've got misters, and they've got... Uh, air cons and that sort of things in their stable. So they're not really subject to the really hot weather at this stage. Yeah, so can't wait for the internationals. We'll see a few of them step out like a light infantry in the King Charles in just over a week's time. And, of course, we get to see a horse like a romantic warrior step out in the Turnbull Stakes on Saturday. So, And also West Wind Blows, who's from, from the Crisford Yard, We'll also be going around in the Turnbull Stakes. So I think with these internationals, Guy, that we can look at all of their performances in Europe and in, in Asia, and they can be um, a horse that's got so many terrific credentials. But until we get to see them on the racetrack and perform in this country, you can't really, I think, make any judgment on them. Well, I mean, horses have been traveling to Hong Kong for probably the best part of 20 years. And you know, some of the horses with the high profile have gone there and everybody thinks they're just over the line, but they, if they haven't travelled well or they don't actually acclimatise, they, uh, they can be false favourites. We might take a quick break. On the other side of it, we'll continue on our chat about this weekend's racing and some of the news in this beautiful game of ours because it is a terrific time of year. There's no doubt about that. Um, so we'll continue on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast straight after this. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. This is the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast. On uh, We're, of course, recording this on a Wednesday. And thanks to New Zealand Bloodstock, let's catch up with the Managing Director of New Zealand Bloodstock in Andrew Seabrook. Uh, Andrew, good morning to you. The first question I need to ask you, um, I know that you're a man that's got a, a contract there for a lifetime at um, Caraca, but Cadolphin haven't come ringing after the, the news there. Vin Cox <laughs> has decided to leave Cadolphin as their managing director in Australia and head to Yulong to work for Mr. Zhang as the managing director there for the Yulong organisation, which is massive news, not only in Australasian racing, but I think in world racing because it is a it's a job that will see Vin Cox travel, of course, right around the world looking after the Yulong investments and organisation because they've got, um, they play a major part now in Ireland especially. So it's, I think it's caught everybody by surprise in a way, but it's massive news when it comes to racing. Yeah, I know. I read that article with a lot of interest this morning. Oh, it first broke on Twitter last night, didn't it? But 
Yeah, I mean, I've known Vin quite a while. It's it's huge. It's going to be a great challenge for him. I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful for you, Long, and for the industry. It gives it gives adds a lot of credibility and stability to the whole Yulong you know outfit. I mean, Mr. Zhang's a, a great man. He's a very genuine horse lover, and I, I think it's just wonderful that this really shows how committed he is to the future of uh, Australasian racing and and well to world racing and breeding in particular. But um, you know, Vim was my counterpart when I you know he was ran yes. Magic Millions for about six years, and then he obviously he's been at Godolphin. But look, he's a good man. He's got a good brain on him. He's he's got business acumen. Um, He'll do a great job there for Mr. Young and Yulong. Yeah, so Cadolphin, we know that they're set up and they've been wonderful supporters of the Australasian racing industry, but Mr. Zhang has been here for a little while and we all know how much money he's been spending over the last two years especially, but to get someone of the calibre of Vin Cox to his organisation, I think that just installs, I think, confidence in this industry, in this part of the world that Mr. Zhang's here to stay and he wants to get the best to make sure that his business grows and grows into the empire that he has a vision for, um, which is terrific for everybody involved in my eyes. Absolutely. I think everyone will see it that way too. I mean, Mr. Zhang's, you know, got to the, got to such a high level very, very quickly. And I think uh, someone like Vin Cox joining them is just going to to solidify everything and and help take them to the next level. And, and just, yeah, he's going to be great. There's no doubt, but big job in front of him because not only Australasia, of course, but he's got a a lot of horses in Ireland as well. So um, no good luck to him. I know Vin will will do do a great job. So what do you think his main challenge is? Because as you pointed out, he went from magic millions, which he did a terrific job. And then he had new challenges at Godolphin and their success rate on and off the track from a breeding point of view at Daly and also with what James Cummings and Vin have been able to do on the track there for Godolphin, which has been headlined, of course, by Animo over the last year or so, has been exceptional. Second to none, they had record-breaking seasons there at Godolphin. But now he goes to the challenge of trying to um, establish Shulong. Now, they've got the broodmares and they're trying to develop a few stallions, but what do you think his biggest challenge is now? Big challenge is going to be mating 800 mares. Um, that yes. job has probably already been done for him this season. Um, but he'll be, I think a big challenge will be, of those foals that he has, he'll have to work out what we're going to sell as weanlings, what are we going to sell as yearlings, what are we going to do as two-year-olds, what are we going to race, um, and just think about it very commercially from the day those horses are born and working out what are they going to do with it. It's a lot of horses to... Um, to manage and you obviously can't take them all to market and they can't race them all so it's going to be a fine line he's got to work out that you know the commercial viability of of selling when and where and uh, and, and to race when and where so and that's just not just in australia that's that's in europe as well so that's going to be a big challenge but he'll cope yeah no it will be interesting to see how that unfolds um, we can't really talk about it to Guy, so we can talk to you about it, Kovalika, who was unlucky in an Epsom, um, and he heads to a yeah. Cox Plate now. But this son of Ocean yeah, Park, it could be a big race in him this spring after what I saw there on Saturday. I think so. And Ocean Park won the Cox Plate, of course. He beat yep. all too hard in Piero, didn't he, about 10 or 11 years ago. But he's at $21, Kovalika. He gave the, the Epsom winner a couple of kilos. He's crying out for a mile and a quarter. Um yeah, I reckon he's a big chance. And a couple of those ahead of him in the in the market, you'd, you've got to ask yourself whether they'll get the mile and a quarter. Um, would be a big question mark there for a couple of them. So, no, I think he's, he's going to be a massive chance. Okay, and, of course, we've got a half-sister to him. Yes. Um, in the ready-to-run sale, Gareth. So hopefully guys spotted that one already. 
No, I think we've 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 got um we've got him on we've got him on the job, you know, because on on Giddy Up, the show that I host here as well on SEM, we've got Jack Jenkins who joins me for our debate and he's a UFC fighter that loves his racing, he speaks so well and he's got a few mates together and he wants to go to your ready for run sale and try and find one. Um to syndicate with a group of mates. We might join the party here and um you know, guy yep. is difficult to like. We can't really afford him, Andrew. But you know, <laughs> UFC tickets and all that. We're probably trying to work out a deal with him to see if he can come up. And I know he's got Leith Innes on the ground, and he he'll be doing a little bit of work. But um, hopefully, he can help us find uh, a Mister Brightside at a bargain price would be ideal. Um, but hopefully, he can deliver the goods for us. No pressure no, on I'm him. Sure. We'll see how good he is. I'm sure he can. Even even like an Antina who was only twenty seven dollars. Yes, that'll do. And he's got give me a nice chance in the Turek with a lightweight, doesn't he? So, can you just explain that to us as well for a bloodstock agent and for people that like love their racing? We see the success of your ready for run sale. Um, the difference between say a bloodstock agent picking a horse at a ready for run or helping you pick one as a yearling because they're totally different ball games, I would imagine. Well, the beautiful thing, at a ready-to-run sale, the horses have all been broken and they've all been to the track. They've all um, been put under pressure and trained and what have you. So um, they go to Tirapa, they go to the breeze-ups, and they run down the 200 metres. So the buyers can see their action. They can see them gallop that 200 metres, and, and they're timed, of course. But time isn't the es- of the essence. I mean, sure, it's important, but it's how they do it, how they do their breeze. Are they, are they ridden out or are they under, under a nice hold? And, you can do so much homework for for a breeze up sale for for the ready to run sale. It's a very transparent sale, um, and um, you know you can look at all the breeze ups and you can probably knock out half the catalogue once once you've been through and done all the breeze ups properly. And um, you know you're, you're sort of half a step ahead, aren't you? And, and and ultimately the horses can't be racing within two or three months of that sale. And and I guess as well, mate, that. Um that your sale and it leads the way, I think in this is that you're very transparent. So, um, whatever the buyer wants to find out, they can. And obviously the horses are tested before they have their, their breeze ups and you can watch them on, um, you can watch their breeze ups, but you can also watch them in the mounting yard. Um, yep. so there's everything that you need that you can get. Yeah. Weights and weights yep. are on the internet, the, the height of the horse, all the bloods are done, as you say. Um, yeah, the footage is great, the, 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 the x-rays, the, the whole nine yards. So it, it really is a, it's a, it's a nice transparent way to buy a horse. And having a look at Antino, he's the son of Redwood who will go towards a Turak now. I think he did what he had to do there on Sunday in the Sandown Stakes. And he might take on a horse like Amelia's Jewel in a group one Turak handicap, which will be, there'll be a King Charles in Sydney. But if that um, transpires, that will be some clash between an Antino and a, an Amelia's Jewel there at the Heath on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I don't know what Amelia's Jewel, what weight she'll get, but uh, he wasn't brilliant on Sunday, Antino, but listening to Tony Golan afterwards, um, it's clear that he'll improve greatly from that run and stepping up to a mile. And when, I, I guess he'll be on the minimum weight um, in the Turek. I'm not sure what Amelia's Jewel will get, but... Um, uh, he'll 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 give he'll give them a shake and Redwood's doing a, a great job, isn't he? So uh, I look forward yeah. to that race. I think poor old Simon he might have jumped the gun a little bit when he announced that he's going to the Turak because he might have scared a few of the top weights that 
could have been heading towards the Turak. Now they go, well, <laughs> we don't want to go there and give her weight. So she might be carrying top weight and they might have to change their mind and even head to a, a King Charles. But time will tell. Mike Maroney's been a wonderful trainer for so many years and um, he knows how to deliver the goods when he can find one from your sale at Caraca. And Cor Volante, he's found another one. That was an impressive victory there on Friday night at Mooney yeah. Valley. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, like last year, Poissier, she's by Poissier, of course, yep. and he had Legato and Prowess last season, top three-year-old fillies, and now he's got what looks like another one, I guess you'll hit for, for the thousand guineas, Gareth. So, um, yep. yeah, he's just a, a sire doing wonderful things. Yeah, and you've got so many stallions there that have been, they're, they're bargain buyers at the moment, and obviously they're getting a lot of recognition now after the success that the New Zealand breed, or the New Zealand-based stallions have had over the last year, especially here in Australia. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how she goes. And just when I was looking at the Everest, and this is how the the times have changed in a little bit, but the Everest is our premier sprint race. And you've got two horses at the top of the market that are both by Cox Plate champions. And one of those, of course, is by Savabil and I Wish I Win. It's remarkable when you think about it. Yeah, it is, and it just proves that there are there are no rules. Yeah. And um, I, I think I think though it's possibly the best sprinter in Australia is not going to be there right now. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, look, I you Kiwis have got too increase. much money. You Kiwis have got too much money. Uh, we, we're debating <laughs> about that today. It's she's the best. Fi- she she's the sexiest horse, nearly along with Amelia's Jewel. But she's definitely the sexiest sprinter in the country. She blew them away again at the Valley. To do what she did second up over a 1,000 to break her own track record was Mm. better Mm. than what she'd produced, I thought, in the McEwen Stakes when the race was sort of set up for her and she got the perfect cut into the race. Um, But then to to knock back the prize money that she could have won maybe in an Everest, even like I was thinking they could have nearly tried to buy a slot. You get $700,000 for running last, so they could have bought – maybe 800,000 or something and then they get a chance to race for 7 million and all of my form experts say that she would be a strong favorite if she was going there she would be the favorite for this year's Everest yeah I'm sure she would I I did talk to David Ellis a couple of days ago again and he did say that he had about four slot holders ask the question but he's comfortable in his decision He, he he maintains that she's much better left hand um, so that's what they're doing. And interestingly, Opie said here on our, our TV program called Weigh In on a Monday. Yeah. He said that um, she could win a she could reckons that she could win a Group One mile in Australia. So uh, very interesting. Maybe you'll see her in the autumn uh, running in a, in a Group One mile. But um, yeah, it's going to be good to see her in the Manukau and then off to Flemington. We need her. Yeah, there's a there's an idea for everybody a, a slot race over a mile or fourteen hundred meters because even if you have a look at the Everest, um, think about it. I wish I win. Um, if I'd be saying that about Imperatries, I think they're all better over a trip. These these horses. Yeah, correct. I mean, I, I wish I win. Jeez, you'd be very, very confident it was another 100 or 200 metres, wouldn't you? Uh, even though I still think you win the race. But no, you're right. Well, perhaps we should do that in New Zealand, have a have a mile slot race. Yep, I reckon that would be the way to go. Um, we'll organise it and tame will sponsor it. They're, they're, they've, they're, they're great supporters of New Zealand racing. So Tiako Racing, they've had um, success already. They were winning races over the weekend as well. Um, and we get to see Skewiff 
for under the Tiago yep. banner for Waikato Stud there this weekend at Flemington. So yes. looking forward to seeing what she can do. Yeah, she's an interesting runner. So she beat she won the Group One 1400 Tarzino beating Legato. Uh, very good mare. She's drawn the outside or near the outside on Saturday. CM of top weight, so she could re- be vulnerable first up. But she's a very good mare. Interesting runner, Rip Roar on Saturday. Gareth, she's a, a he, he rather in the superimposed, trained by Andrew Forsman. He's yeah. a half to Mr. Maestro. Okay. And remember, he won the same race last year. Then went went and ran fourth in the Derby. I think his favourite. Yes. Um, so he's a he's just a horse to watch out for the VRC Derby. Rip Roar. Talking about three-year-old classic stars, unfortunately, sharp and smart. We won't get to see him for the rest of the spring. He just hasn't come back. He, I think he got a virus at the moment. So that's um, that son of Redwood. That's disappointing news for the Rogerson family. Yeah, disappointing. His bloods came back no good. Got a viral infection, and, and he, of course, has been set for the Melbourne Cup. So, uh, but he, he'll he'll um, we'll save him for the autumn. Uh, he's a pretty good star. All right, then, mate. So we can. Look at the um, – well, we're not far away, so we've got the catalogues are out for the, the ready for run. We'll have those – the breeze-ups aren't far away as well. So that's in the middle of October, isn't it? Yeah, the breeze-ups yeah. are Monday and Tuesday week. So yep, we yeah, a uh, week after next. Yep. Um, about 400 horses uh, running down at uh, Tirapa, and then they'll be online within a couple of days of that. And then uh, you can do your study, Gareth, and pick one out. Yeah, See I'm if Guy lo- likes it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. As always, Andrew, we appreciate your time, mate, and thanks for the chat. Thanks a lot, Gareth. Andrew Seabrook there from New Zealand Bloodstock. We'll take a break, come back with plenty more on breeding bloodstock and banter with the captain, Guy Molcaster and Gareth Hall. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. This is the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast. Gareth Hall with you. The Captain, Guy Molcaster, joins us throughout as well. But we're heading up to Queensland to have a chat to Jonathan Davies. I think he's at Queensland um, from Aquas. G'day. G'day, Jonathan. How's things, mate? Hey, Gareth. Hey, Guy. Yeah, really well. Yeah. Season's going going. Splendidly for all of us here, which is really good. Guy had to leave early today, unbelievably. He's um, he, he had to duck off. So you've just got me here for the, the final part of the, the podcast. But I want to have a chat about a Y5O. So you had to go to Plan B after Sunshine in Paris, unfortunately, got injured and she misses out now on the Everest representing your slot. But you were quick to move with a Y5O teaming up with Singo and Jerry Harvey. Was that an easy decision? Did they come knocking or did you come knocking? Uh, there was interest from both, both sides. Obviously they, they wanted the horse in the race and, um, with the unfortunate withdrawal of sunshine in Paris, um, he looked to be what we believe was the best option. Yeah. And geez, you must've been like, he went enormous the other day and you get Jay Mack aboard as well. And Adrian Bott and Gay, Gay Waterhouse are, are training the house down at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's certainly the uh, right team to be with at the moment. Yeah. So was it um, an easy decision with that horse? Obviously, I would imagine you would have talked to the Imperatrice camp and there would have been a few other um, camps as well interested in your slot. But you moved pretty quickly after that race, after the Premier Stakes there. Yeah, most definitely. Um, None of, like, these decisions are never easy. Um, And obviously there were a number of other horses in the mix. to, to run in our slot, but I think he showed um, with his run in the Premier that he was the best option um, for us, and yeah, we, we wanted to 
to move quickly and lock him down. Yep. So, yeah, we wish you the best of luck there. He's about $12 with Bet365, a Y5-ho in that Everest, but J-Mac's been booked to ride the Aquas uh, Galloper there in the Everest. And, Jonathan, mate, with your stallion roster, you must be really pleased with the performance of Kobe Ashi, who has, I think, started his stud career in fine fashion. And already this season, he's had two two-year-old winners from three runners, which is quite remarkable, especially for his service fee. Yeah, that's right. He's absolutely flying. Um, he is one of the best kept secrets in Australian breeding, but hopefully not for much longer. Um, you know, he's, he's had the three runners this, this two-year-old season for a Quinella in the Pat O'Shea Stakes and a winner last Saturday in Brisbane, the first two-year-old race in Brisbane. And last season, he finished in the top 20 two-year-old stallions in Australia by winners and by earnings, which is incredible for a horse that covered his first few books and airs at a modest fee of $4,000 plus GST. Obviously, didn't get the biggest of numbers and didn't get the best quality mares, but he's certainly certainly doing more than anyone could ever hope a stand could do um, with that opportunity. And this season he'll cover a better book of mares, increased numbers and quality, and the future certainly is very encouraging for him. Yeah, pound for pound, he's one of the bargain stallions going around, isn't he, these days? And especially when you think about the success that he's had up there in Queensland and with the breeding scheme and the breeding bonuses with racing Queensland, um, boy, he's a, he's an attractive stallion to go to now. Yeah, most certainly. Like obviously, he's the son of I'm Invincible, and and he's out of a Hustonay mare, and he's Daniel free. He he's compatible with a a wide range of mares, and I think that's that's part of the reason for his success because he does click with so many different types of mares and. You know, he stands for eight thousand dollars plus GST, and uh, we saw Mashani Lily on Saturday. Uh, her first start in the two-year-old race in Brisbane, she won. She collected about ninety thousand dollars with the cutest bonuses and the cutest filly bonuses. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible return on investment for um for you know people that that buy Kobayashi weanlings or yearlings, but also obviously breed to the stallion. So you get that. So you sometimes. You need to be a little lucky, and you can, like I'm Invincible, started off basically from the bottom to sorts, hit the ground running up there in Sydney as well, is that you can, if you can try and identify these these stallions early doors, um, three or four years' time, the way that this horse is going, he's going to be standing for a lot, lot more, is that this is when you need to get in now, basically. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely, and it's uh, it's incredibly exciting for us um, to have him doing the job he's doing, and uh, it helps helps the whole roster as well you know like um i think we've we've proven we've been standing stands for eight years that we can we can get a good stallion we can launch them properly and, and give them every opportunity for success so how much space if you're going to mare right now what kind of mares do you think suit him and is there availability in him this season there is certainly availability and um He's like I said earlier, like he's so easy to to mate with. Being bio invincible and out of a hustle, mare, he, you know, there's there's rarely a mare that comes across our table that doesn't actually suit him, to be honest. Um, and he's he throws a very consistent type. He's he's quite dominant. He stamps his 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 stock. They're they're all medium size with really good strength, muscle and bone, and um, they're tough. They get out running early and. Uh, they train on too, which is most important. No, exciting time. He's definitely an exciting stallion. And as you've just pointed out, he's um, 
he's terrific value and his results speak for themselves. You don't have to do any marketing with that. He, um, the results are, uh, uh, delivering the best marketing that you could get when you're trying to promote a stallion. Well, we wish you the best of luck, um, with your roster and these new two-year-old races that have, or the two-year-old races that are starting to, um, hit into full swing now right across the country, but especially with a Y50, that'll be some party if you can combine with Singo and Jerry and win an Everest. It certainly will be, yeah. Make sure you invite That's us to the after party. Yeah, Jonathan, that'll yeah. be much appreciated. Thanks for that, mate. We'll catch so up easy. with you next Thanks, week. Jay. There's Jonathan Davies anyway. there from Aquas. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Great to be with you, wherever you may be listening. Um, this is the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the captain, the one and the only captain, Guy Moldcaster, Gareth Hall with you. Just quickly with Shinzo, what did you make of his trial at Rose Hill? I forgot to ask you about that after when we were talking about the Everest. Well, he Did he do enough to get um, say to Coolmore that he's ready to go for an Everest? Yeah, I thought his trial was pretty good yesterday. He travelled up behind a, a decent speed and he wasn't really asked in the straight and, and finished like a length and a half, two lengths behind overpass. So I think that would be a good enough good enough mark for him. There was a lot of Everest horses around him and, and a number of them travelled uh, travelled pretty comfortably. So I'm sure he's going to be uh, a good chance in the race as well. I tell you he's going to be a good chance. He's, um, um, excuse me, a Y50. Geez, I loved his effort the other day. And Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott could train you to win that Gold Coast Marathon. They're that, they're that much on fire at the moment, Guy. Yeah, they've uh, they've had an amazing run the last six weeks or so. But I mean, I saw Hawaii Five O at Warwick Farm about three, four weeks ago, in between races, having an exhibition gallop, and uh, and he worked pretty good that day. But I mean, he's he's obviously a big, tough horse who 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 thrives on the work, and he's in the right environment to thrive at Adrian and Gay's place and I think uh, they've got the top man in the in the saddle in the Golden Eagle and the Everest so uh, Jay Max aboard so his run on Saturday was pretty good so fingers crossed. Yeah and there's some terrific racing in Victoria on the weekend we've got the Meribyrnong Trials Stake so this is the first time we get to see the two-year-olds in Victoria and then we've got the Danehill Stakes this was the race that produced Giga Kick last year and then he went on to win, of course, the Golden Eagle. Archo Nacho will step out, who won last start at Flemington. I am unstoppable. And the Harry Angel, Philly Stretton Angel there for Philip Stokes will be going around. So looking forward to seeing what those three-year-olds can produce. And then the Hill Stakes and the Roman Consul, the features there at Rose Hill on Saturday, their guy. Yeah, it's, uh, there's lots of good racing, but it was interesting to see that Archo Nacho was actually entered in a barrier trial in Sydney yesterday. So, question was: Was he actually getting ready for the Everest? Was there nearly a deal done? I think they might have because he. They, I think he was nominated for the Premier Stakes even there last Saturday. So, um, but I think the only slot available now is Yulong. And they look like they might be heading towards alcohol free. Geez, I'll laugh if they put out a, a press release saying that Imperatrice <laughs> Imperatrice has signed up. Um Yeah, well, I mean, with Imperatrice still in the market, and Mr. Zhang's the sort of person who could who could make could make it happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's got Vin Cox, so I definitely think he could get David Ellis to um, sign that that dotted line. What do you make of um, – there's one horse I don't think Mr. Zhang could buy. Oh, he could probably. That's Ace Impact. What a horse he is. Yeah, I mean, like, he's he's been dynamic the whole way through. He looked he looked very hard to beat in the arc, and he got the job done relatively easy. So, uh, you know, like, it's a, it was a bloody good field, the arc this year, and there were horses coming from all points of the globe, and uh, he was just far too good. Yeah, it was a terrific race, like, on paper, but he just treated them with disrespect. That turn of foot was like Kovalika going to a maiden. Yeah. <laughs> we have to keep bringing Kovalika up, don't we? I've yeah. got a lot of work. We, we, um, the magic man, oh, he was just, you just need a little bit of luck in life. God didn't want to bring it up again, but geez, um, ace impact. How far would he win a Cox plate by? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They say, they say these sort of things, but you know, like they still have to travel and they still have yeah. to adapt. So it's interesting to see. Jackson France. He was a little bit disappointed on Saturday. He's, Blue Point Colt that was heavily supported there um, was the first horse beat, as I say hello to you, Jackson. Morning, Captain. My voice is a little bit uh, sore after the Collingwood game on Saturday, but um, obviously it was a disappointing result. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he can bounce back. He's in a good camp Scampy, there. Scampy, yeah. Yeah. So, Jacko um, Jackson France, our, our producer, who's just bred a, a Blue Point Philly, he's a Collingwood supporter guy, and I'm a Brisbane supporter. So, He's just taken two days off to celebrate Collingwood's premiership. He took two days off. These yeah, young, good on these young been, kids these days. Yeah. Hey? It's been things years since I've had a flag though, Gareth, isn't it? Yeah, our last one was in twenty ten, so they don't come around too often, so it's good to celebrate. Now I was very fortunate to go to the game, but you mentioned Scampy, he was the first horse beat, but mm. Blue Point, um, the Rosalian was able to come out there in the Northern oh. Hemisphere on Arc Day and get his maiden group one in the Northern Hemisphere, so the tide turned pretty quickly, Gary. All right then, mate. Um pity that we're in the southern hemisphere at the moment. Now, you got some questions for the captain? I do. There's a few that have come through today for the captain. And this first one here is from Chris. He goes, If you could have a stallion share in any young bull under fifty K, who would it be and why? Um, well, I think after the weekend, your, your stallion share into sort has probably uh, trebled in value. So, you know, buy quick, sell quick. That would be what what I'd be saying. Mitch has followed up with another question here. He's always very active um, on the email. And he said, what have you made of Gayas Progeny? A half to Victoria Road by him was just knocked down for over a million dollars at the Tats October sale there in the UK. Yeah, well, I think, um, I think he was a pretty good horse. And I think... Uh, the market will like them in Australia, but uh, I think that one in in Tattersalls that made the million dollars maybe a little bit more. The fact that it was half to Victoria Road, so um, I think you wait to see the whole lineup of the horses progeny at the whole yearling sales um, series before you just pigeonhole it as to one horse. A follow-up question from Mitch here. He goes, "Are you active at the Tats October sales or any other of those style of sales there in the Northern Hemisphere?" I'll, I'll be at the horses and training sale in, in Tattersalls that starts two days after the Caulfield Cup. So I'm um, looking forward to getting over there again. The final question this morning comes in from Shane and he goes, how many hours a week do you dedicate to your craft, watching replays, monitoring sales results, etc." Be honest. Well, I think, you know, I think you don't know where your next uh, order is going to come from. You're not, you're not, uh, noticing specifically watching one race to try and buy a filly off the track or 
something by somebody's progeny. You just watch races day in, day out, and you and you get your fingers on it like that. So that's all the questions that have come through for today. So listeners, if you do want to get in touch with myself so you can get your questions through to the captain, touch base on jackson.frans, F-R-A-N-T-Z, at sen.com.au. Listening to your voice, it looks like you've just taken a leaf out of your, your idol and Guy Molecaster sounded like you just partied too hard. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Jacket. I had a couple of drinks Saturday night to celebrate, but um, yeah, it's from yelling and screaming. So I might keep off the mic this week so I don't feature in the Bill Laurie segment too much on off yeah. the bench. There might be a package there. What about this one, Guy? So we've got Jacko, who I brought across from a rival network, and um, looked after him. You know, he, he like got him a job and um, nurtured him, and, and a bit like what you've done with Lee Dinners. Anyway, I'm looking for a ticket for the grand final, and the boss Hutchie gives him gives Jacko a grand final ticket, and I miss out. Geez, that's a bit tough, really, Gareth, isn't it? Is. it? I thought you were going to say that you'd nurtured him, and Mister Jang had poached him. No, Mister Jang. If Mister Jang's listening, he can't poach Jacko. There's a few, I think, trying to poach him these days, but um, I wouldn't be able to live without him. So, Mister um, Jang would. How much would you let you, you? You'd probably leave me for. a you got a Mr. Zhang came knocking? Uh, it depends on the offer, but we'll, uh, we'll see yeah. how we go. I'm pretty content here at the moment, but it probably worked out well that you didn't get to go to the game in the end, Gareth. Uh, that's a good point. Hey, um, Guy, what's the captain's pick, dare I ask, this week? Um, We've got a horse running in the Turnbull Stakes. I think he'll run pretty well. I don't know if he can beat Romantic Warrior, but Ossipenko yeah. has got his finger on the till. His run behind Mr. Brightside was very good the other day. His work's been good this week, and uh, fingers crossed the... Has a good run at Flemington on Saturday. I'll be out there on Saturday, Gareth. So I'm picking you're you up. There. I'm picking you up at the airport at four o'clock. I think, aren't I? On on Thursday. Sounds, yeah, sounds good to me. Everyone is excited, and just the last one with Ozapenko. Why didn't you start him in the Epsom? Because we had a number of runners already, and we haven't yep. got that many runners in Melbourne for these other races. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Ozopenko can do with a little bit of tempo in the race, and I think he'll enjoy Flemington. So I love it, Captain. We wish you the best of luck. Kovalika and the Cox Plate. Um, can't wait for that. So will you be back in time for the Cox Plate, or will you be still over in the UK? Leave after the Caulfield Cup, get back the morning before the Cox Plate. Hit and run, as they say. You, you'll be in fine form getting off that plane, heading to imagine the swagger heading out of Tullamarine. Um, to get to, to Mooney Valley for the Cox Plate. Let's hope that flight isn't delayed. Love your work, mate. It's always a pleasure, and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Gareth. There is uh, the Captain Guy Moldcaster. Thank you to Jackson France. Thanks for your time on uh, the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast. Hopefully you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to catching up with you next week.